You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. All right, as I said, Philippians chapter 2, and if you look at verse 29, there's a phrase we get our title from in the message today. Uh, Paul says this, so receive him, he's speaking of Epaphroditus there, receive him in the Lord with all joy, and then here's the phrase, and honor such men, honor such men. It's interesting, in Romans, which Paul also wrote, Romans 12, uh, Paul says, give honor to those whom honor is due. Now, what Paul is doing, he's living out his own command here now in this section of Philippians chapter 2. He is honoring and holding up as an example two particular men to whom it is due. Now, we ask, why would Paul do this? Well, let's remember this passage is here in Scripture, led perfectly by the Holy Spirit of God. This is God-written word. Why does Paul do this? Fundamentally, here's why. Because good men are hard to find. And let's be honest, in a day of increasing darkness, good men and women are increasingly hard to find. When you do find them, when you find men and women who love Jesus Christ, and hear me, who point others to Jesus Christ and are not about themselves, we're learning here today in Scripture, it is both right and should be joy in our hearts to honor those who love the Lord Jesus. Again, verse 29, these two commands, receive him with joy in the Lord. That's a a command, it's an imperative. And then honor men like him. That's also an imperative. Now all through this text, what I want you to understand, the connection with Timothy and Epaphroditus, it's this, you honor those who honor Christ. You don't honor those who honor self. You don't lift up someone who wants it to be about him or her, but you honor those who love Christ because as you encourage them in Christ, they continue to use their lives to proclaim Christ. And we're going to see here, Timothy was a servant of the gospel of Christ. Paul holds him up that Timothy might continue to be a servant of Christ. And Epaphroditus, he is risking his life, almost dying for the work of Christ. Paul is right to honor Epaphroditus that he might continue to give his life for the work of Christ. It's all about Christ. And for those of us in our midst, we are right to encourage and love and support and honor those that God is using that they might continue to proclaim Christ, both old and young and women and men and children and every person that applies to within our context. It's the beautiful blessing and exhortation from God's word today. But again, why does Paul do this? Well, let's do a little review where we've been in Philippians because it's been a couple of weeks here. If you look at chapter 1 verse 27, now as we read these verses, notice Paul's heart. Notice what he's going after, okay? Chapter 1 verse 27, the command here, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, and notice why, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear you are standing firm. Notice how much Paul wants the church to live lives worthy of the gospel. Look at chapter 2 verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests 
of others. Paul's pastoral heart coming out in abundance here. Look at chapter 2, verse 16. Hold fast to the word of life. Why, Paul? Why? So that in the day of Christ, judgment for believers... The judgment being not eternal judgment, how we have used what God has entrusted us with. Loved ones, God has, if you're saved in Christ, God has given you an opportunity. How are you using the opportunity? Hold fast to the word of life so that when you appear before Christ, Paul says, I can be proud and that I did not run in vain. Notice how much Paul desires life change, transformation, and maturity within the Christians, the believers within Philippi. And when he finds those that are growing in maturity, that are being used in the multiplication of discipleship for Christ, he lifts them up. And we're going to see today it is right to do that. In fact, it's biblically commanded to do that in many places through Scripture as well. Now, our context in Philippians chapter 2, remember this. The main ultimate example in our context is Jesus Christ. This very chapter, chapter 2. Humiliation, exaltation in Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus also. Paul's also a massive example all through Philippians. He's the super apostle. He saw Jesus face to face. So if you're an everyday ordinary believer in the church of Philippi and you're just starting out and trying to get your feet and you're trying to figure out where to go in the midst of the hostile world and you see Jesus who is perfect and then the example of Paul the super apostle who seemingly never seems to have a bad day. Now on that note, let me just say that when you look at it sometimes and you see Jesus in his perfection and you see guys like Paul through scripture and you kind of, if you read into it the wrong way, you kind of sense that Paul never really did kind of struggle with the things we might struggle with. I mean, that, let's just be honest. At least I'll speak for myself. That could be intimidating. I mean, that could be intimidating. You're looking at Jesus and you're like, man, I'd be like Jesus and you see this massive, massive hill. By the way, that kind of reminds me of just when I was young and I was learning how to ski with our family and these are the symbols of a ski hill. Some of you will know this. And sometimes when you start off on this and you look at the, so this is the easy hill, uh, media or uh, medium kind of hill, intermediate. This is uh, pretty difficult. That's the double black diamond. Don't go there. And then freestyle train is like, you're crazy, all right? It's just kind of, you want to go up by yourself and you're at your own risk or whatever. Sometimes as Christians, we look up and we might see this and this. This is where I got to go, but we're way back here and we're just like, oh man, I'm, where do I start? This is so intimidating. And anyone else feel that way sometimes? Anyone else feel that way? Thanks for not leaving me up here, seven of you. Thank you, all right? But the reality is what, what, what the Lord does for us in his word, he gives us examples at each place. And yes, it's not, this is what we're going for. I mean, this is, this is, this is the reality of following Christ again, but he also gives us examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul along the way that you encourage us to say different steps of different people in different places, but all going for the same goal. Not lowering the bar, not lowering the bar, not lowering the bar. Not lowering the bar, but understanding that Christ has called us and he encourages us along the way. And this is what's taking place within our text today. He holds two main examples up. And this is our whole passage now. Timothy, five verses on the life of Timothy and six verses on the life of Epaphroditus of men who are to be imitated in their example. We are to be encouraged by them and yes, Paul, what he does through this, he commands that they would be honored, and he honors them in the process as well. And I want to do the same today. 
I want to live out this text today in different ways. Jesus Christ is our everything, and we love that we're surrounded by men and women who want Jesus Christ to be everything and encourage us to be the same in the process. So let's get started. The first five verses on Timothy. So point number one is this. Timothy, an example of service. An example of service. Look at verse 19 now. Here we go. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him. Okay, watch the honor start here, okay? And watch the example be held up. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. Those of Jesus Christ love Jesus Christ and serve Jesus Christ, verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. That's a great, that's a great phrase. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. See? See, he holds up Timothy as Timothy serves in the gospel and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, verse 23, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Notice in verse 19 and verse 23, Paul says, I hope to send Timothy to you. Why is that significant? It shows us how much Paul values the ministry of Timothy. It shows us how much Paul regards this young man, how highly he sees God working within him, how much Paul values the ministry of Timothy within the church. And we see here inherently within the text, Paul entrusting ministry. Paul encouraging Timothy in ministry. Paul is multiplying himself, even from prison, into the life of Timothy, that Timothy might be raised up and be used to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's a great example of pointing to someone else who's a, who's a growing example. Let me ask you, how are we doing at that? How are we doing at entrusting ministry? Encouraging others in ministry? How are we being used to multiply ourselves? Because that's one of the most important ways our lives are used in this one chance we got. To multiply ourselves to see other people grow and mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's happening before us right here within this text. And on this note of entrusting ministry, one of the things that has dawned on me recently within our church, and I want to encourage you with certain aspects of our church and people within our church too within this message, living out what Paul's doing here. One of the aspects that kind of dawned on me, kind of caught me off guard recently was um, our teaching team in our church, which is ever growing and developing, and many of you see that through this pulpit right here. What a blessed we are through the variety of gifts and men that are being raised up to be used to handle God's word. I realized recently that our teaching team has officially become, and I want you to be encouraged by this, um, it's, it's come 10 men deep. And some of you will know some, obviously, and then others will not know. But here's what I realized, and I sat there, because we're developing and trying to grow and encourage one another in this as this massive task, an important task of taking God's word, which God uses to change life. We have a group of men who are just starting out, just starting out, some cutting their teeth on, on God's word, others that are already being used in great ways. We have a, another group of men that you would well know and are being used all throughout ministries of the church and are so proficient and growing and amazing. And another group of men who are here and visible and, and being used in God's word. And if they wanted to, they could co-pastor their own church right now. 
easily. Well, not easily, but they could do it. You know what I'm saying? It would be hard and they would struggle all that. But they could do it. They're, they're gifted to do that. And in our midst, we have not to mention the several men we have already sent out to plant churches. Now listen, that is, a, that is a massive grace gift from God, which is not normal. That to look upon right now and to see really 10 deep in different ways, and it's so necessary because God needs to keep raising up men and women who love him and who will be used. I want you to be encouraged by that as I have been encouraged and the leaders of our church have been encouraged too. And it's right, I want to honor them today. And to thank God for his grace because that is what it is. As we look in our text here again, what Paul does is he gives example in detail for us regarding Timothy's life. And it's really beautiful. We've read it, but let's just let's hold up and identify how Paul honors Timothy. It's going to be on the screen beside me here for you to see. We break it down this way. Okay, Timothy's example. Timothy, number one, he was uniquely set apart. You see, why do you say that? Look at verse 20. The text says, Paul says, I have no one else like him. What an amazing statement. This is literally um, no one else of equal soul. Now, all through this passage, loved ones, notice Paul's heart for his brothers. There's a deep unity, like a deep unity, a deep love. He's saying, I have no one else like Timothy, no one else who shares my heart, shares my mind, shares my passion for the things of the Lord. What we're seeing right here within Paul's sentence, there's a supernatural kindred spirit between Paul and Timothy. I wonder if we have that in our lives. A supernatural kindred spirit. Do you know this is so appropriate for today too? And I had to do it every now and then from the front. You get a shout out on a special birthday, especially if your birthday lands on the day of when the weekend happens, all right? Today, Pastor George, who just did our prayer for the offering, Pastor George today turns 60. Can you believe that? Yeah, give it up for Pastor George, amen, amen. So, so you find him today or this week, you, you will give him a hard time, all right? He can take it, he can take it. Doesn't he look so good? I think I look older than Pastor George, you know? He's doing so well. He's 60 today. George is one of these men. Do you know George and the first 20 people that ever attended our church in a Bible study in an office in Oakville a few kilometers away? He was one of the first 20 people that showed up, man. He walked in. He was so fired up. God was moving in his life, and here he was. And wouldn't you know it, and little did you know how much God would use him and raise him up to be the man that is guiding and leading this element of prayer throughout our church and seeing recovery ministry and discipleship on so many different levels, and him and his wife, Kathy. It's been such a blessing to see examples like that, how God has raised them up, and the impact and the heart he has and the influence and the, and the heart that we share, him and I and so many other people together. It's such a blessing. It's right to honor him. And God, because I honor him because he honors Christ. I mean, he's so much about Jesus. He just so much. He's not perfect, but he's following the one who is perfect. I was thinking of this too with people of such a kindred spirit. I thought of this week, Pastor Greg McFarlane in our church, our executive pastor. And many of you will know him. Some of you will not because he's behind the scene. He is being used in such incredible ways for so many. Do you know that Pastor Greg was officially our first convert ever in our church? 
And this is before the small group Bible study in the church in Oakville. This is a Bible study in Jill and I, our house, our townhome in Mississauga, like a year before this thing all took place. And Greg and Debbie walked into this Bible study. They didn't know what they were walking into, <laughs> walking into a group with a crazy couple and whatever and trying to be lit for Jesus. And he, he might have thought he was saved, but he found out that he really wasn't. And then God saved him and regenerated him and grew him. And to see him and Debbie grow in the way that he's been used. And today, the amount of things that God has entrusted him with in this place, it is right to honor him. So thankful for that as a representation of the hundreds and hundreds of people within our church that are so being used and more to come on that later. It's such a blessing. This is what Paul's doing. He looks across his ministry. He's in prison. He can't, but he sees those who are partners in the gospel and he's just like, man, I'm so thankful. And church, recognize and esteem because they love Christ. And we need men and women to be raised up who love Christ. And here's my question then. Who are the next Georges? And who are the next Pastor Gregs? Who are the men and women that God is raising up to come alongside and to encourage and support and honor them as they love Christ? I'm not honoring people who want them for themselves. Do you honor those who love the Lord and they've been authenticated by God's Spirit? Not perfect, but following the one who is perfect. Timothy uniquely set apart. Timothy, notice this, a heart of sincerity. Verse 20, it says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So this means that Timothy loves the church like Paul does. The word genuinely, of course, means sincerely. Really, it carries the meaning of family. Um, Family to the point where you're genuinely interested in their interest and not your own. Because look at verse 21. Here's the contrast. For they, now, they all, commentators aren't sure exactly who the all is in verse 21. See that? Who's he talking about? Is he talking about the culture? talking about the church? talking about, I think there's a strong indication that if you look at chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, there's a similar group of people mentioned. Uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So now we go back to chapter 2, verse 21, right? For they all seek their own interests. So the all is the people that referred to in chapter 2 earlier. But notice, but not those of Jesus Christ. Paul's holding up Timothy here as one who is not interested in self. Because again, verse 21 says that all they seek their own interest. Now, that's our default, loved ones. That is, that is what we're best at. We're best at serving self. Let me ask you right now, how much of your life is about self? Do you have areas of your life that are just purely seeking self-interest? Purely focused on own goals, own desires, own wants, and excluding others, and just, there's just no concern really for... I mean, that's obviously a very, very bad sign of how the Lord is not working, but here we see in Timothy, there's a sincere heart and genuine desire for others. Timothy, in a good way, is genuinely anxious for the welfare of the people of God. Again, I think of our counseling department in our church. I think of, listen, the vocational counselors and the non-vocational counselors. 
hundreds and thousands of hours pouring into the genuine concern for people in our church and working through all these crises and situations that are so difficult and all the tears that are shed and the amount of time and not doing it perfectly, but again, trying to follow the one who is perfect. I think of our congregational care element within our church, vocational and non-vocational as well. How many of you serving in capacities and areas of benevolence and harvest market and seeking to come alongside those people? Listen, all these people doing things I could never do in the same way as it's meant to be in the design of the body of Christ. What a blessing it is to see the hearts of men and women extend themselves to love those who need to be cared for and armor around them, grace being given, genuinely concerned for the welfare of the church. Paul says, I, I, I commend you, Timothy, because he's, he's the real deal. He's sincere. He sincerely cares. And then thirdly, this right here, he's a servant of the gospel. He's a servant of the gospel. Look at verse 22 now. Verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with the father. Listen to Paul's language here. I mean, this isn't, this isn't some kind of light relationship. As a son with a father. Notice again, here's the purpose. He has served me in the gospel. That's it. That's it right there. Paul loves Timothy so much because they're about the greatest purpose Ever, Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the love of Jesus. That's why he's so excited about this. So you see is my, my inability to not alliterate with S's and stuff. But there's a couple of more S's that I restrained myself from pointing out to you, at least on the screen, but now I'll do it audibly. Notice his proven worth. Worth could equal his significance. Notice the S rate in the text, as a son, a son with a father. You know what's significant behind that phrase, proven worth? Um, that, that carries the meaning of proving yourself through suffering. It means Timothy has proven himself by persevering through difficulty and hardship and heartache. He's still there. 2 Timothy 1, Paul says, Timothy, do not be afraid, but be bold in power and love and self-control. And here's Timothy, and he's still going, being used of the Lord. In this case, then Paul, by the Lord, says he's worthy of honor. What a beautiful passage of honoring Timothy, implying his loyalty and his humility. So loved ones, you, you think about, you know, every powerful biography that's written and so often these powerful biographies are men and women who have proven their worth by persevering and suffering in different forms for the gospel what is that it's philippians chapter 2 19 to 30 that's what's happening there and it encourages us so much we find ourselves built up as we look at the example of others before us. And then we say, oh God, would you do that in us too as they are used to hold up Christ that we might be used to hold up Christ as well. Timothy, an example of service for the gospel. And again, we know this church, this whole church is about Jesus Christ. And also within the example of our text today in scripture, we're learning right here it is right at times to honor those who honor Christ. 
It is right. It's, it's undeniable. It's before us right now. But again, I want you to see, I'll say it again. Timothy, a servant of the gospel. Epaphroditus, we will see, giving his life, almost dying for the work of Christ. Those who love Christ, we love to encourage to continue to love Christ. Now, question. Who can you honor in this next season? Who in your life, and I think of the hundreds and hundreds of beautiful saints in this church. Sinners, yes, yes, we are. But saints as well. Let me ask you, who can you choose to honor? A servant of the gospel? I mean, maybe you're walking by Harvest Kids and don't you know, Harvest Workers, we call them, workers for the gospel, working with our children. Maybe it's someone, you one of your small group leaders. Maybe it's uh, someone who's just cared for you and prayed for you and come alongside you when you were so discouraged. Maybe it's someone who's been there to meet your need at the time when you're just so thankful for that. There's so many opportunities to apply this. And the Bible also says that we are to outdo one another in showing honor. It's almost like a wonderful holy competition. I'm asking you again, who, who can you be used by? Not Maybe just for a moment, not saying, okay, who's going to come talk to me? You know, that's not the attitude. Who, who can I be used to bless and to encourage? And if you're like me, like you know one of the greatest feelings you have is, is when you're filled with God's Spirit. It's amazing when you're filled with God's Spirit, you're so not inclined to care about self. When you're filled with God's Spirit, you come up and you are able and given the ability to breathe life into people around you. There are a few feelings I love more, man, when God's Spirit gives me the strength and energy to do so, to come alongside and to look at someone and just with all the faith I have and to say, you are such a blessing in the church of Jesus Christ. You have been so used and so used to identify the ways that they're using. That is so of the Lord. That is so what the Lord wants us to do. You're not praising a person. You're praising for Jesus Christ in that person. And you imagine if each one of us took the opportunity to do that on an increasing basis and we came into places like this and we were filled with God's spirit and we were looking for the opportunities and God would lead us and we would breathe life into other those around us. Wow, man, that is a place I want to hang out in. And this is what God wants to do. Why? Because we're all encouraging one another as we love the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not making much of a man or woman. It's making much of Jesus Christ that the man or woman wants to love and continue to be used. This is what Paul's doing here right now. It's such a good feeling. God, help us to know it more. Help us to know it more. Put us in a place, Lord. We are attached to the vine, and then we bear the fruit of God's Spirit, just as Paul is here in prison, but being such a blood. You think Timothy's reading this, and he's seeing this letter, what Paul says, and he's sitting there, and, he, and he's kind of just going to, he's reading this, and he's feeling life. He's just like, the Lord's using that. I think Epaphroditus would see it as Epaphroditus probably reading this letter to the church in Philippi, and maybe he's humbled by it and feels a little bit, you know, he's blushing, but at the same time, he's like, man, I need this encouragement to keep going. Timothy, an example of service. And secondly, Epaphroditus, an example of sacrifice. So again, I have to admit, I was kind of caught off guard with this passage this week. See, what do you mean by that? Well, Philippians has what I call many Hall of Fame verses. Like, if you look at chapter 2 and 3 alone, okay? Chapter 2, humiliation, exaltation of Christ. Those are Hall of Fame verses, man. 
Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's a Hall of Fame verse. Now, I know God's word, all of God's word is Hall of Fame. I get that, right? But certain verses the church has held up. In chapter 3, indeed I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. In my world, that's a Hall of Fame verse. Later on in chapter 3, our theme verse, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. That's a Hall of Fame verse for me. Many of you probably memorized Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be, made known, be known to God, and the peace of God surpasses all understanding of God, your heart and mind in Christ. That's a Hall of Fame verse, man. But surrounded in all of this and tucked in the middle of these Hall of Fame verses is our passage today. It's almost a passage. You forget it's even there. And yet here we are right now, and I was caught off guard as you look into it and you study it. And once again, you're like, man, God's word is amazing. It's just amazing. It's teaching you things you weren't expecting or you didn't even know were there. For instance, verse 25, chapter 2. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, notice, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. The honor, it continues. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Why is Epaphroditus distressed that the church might know that he was ill, that they might worry about him? He's not concerned for himself. He's concerned that they might worry that he is ill. Verse 27, Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. See the intimacy between Paul and Epaphroditus? There is so much genuine love here. Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. Look at verse 30 now. For he nearly died, we'll come back to verse 29. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So we pulled out some phrases to describe Timothy. The titles that Epaphroditus carries, they're as clear as day. Can you see them? Look at specifically verse 25. Notice Paul says, my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. Let's break these down. And Paul says, like, they're not just phrases he's throwing out there for fun. My brother. Now, think family. But think like family in the Lord. Now, think also the difference of saying this, my brother, my sister, and Lord, and living this. Notice the intimacy here. Again, it's amazing. Notice the word my. See the word my? My brother? Like that, again, Paul's not throwing that out for fun. Like, he means it. Timothy, Paphroditus, my brother. Like, he's looking at him as a genuine brother and fellow worker. Notice the commitment he states towards him. Then notice verse 27 again. He says, I would have sorrow upon sorrow if something happened to Epaphroditus. He loves this man. Okay, just, just, just step back a little bit and just, just look at verse 25 and just pause for a second. Oh, that we would have brothers and sisters that we could treasure in the same way. I want to point out this too. Paul can't have 50 Epaphroditus's. He can't have 50 of them. I mean, how do you possibly maintain that level of intimacy with so many people? But he can have a couple. In this case, he can have a Paul, he can have a Timothy, and he can have a, an Epaphroditus. And I'm telling you, loved ones, when you find a brother or sister in the Lord, Anywhere near this intimacy, 
We thank the Lord for that. I mean, loved ones, you might have one or two in a rare case, three, I don't know. They're few and far between, but when you have them, they, they are treasures. And that you could be a treasure to them as well. I mean, just take a moment right now, and some of you, 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 you have people on your mind. You thank the Lord that God has given you such gifts, and some of you don't have that right now. A lot of men, a lot of men isolate themselves or are afraid of relationship with different reasons. I'm telling you, if we're afraid of this, we are missing out on major portions of life in Christ. We can't survive without Timothy's and Epaphroditus's. You're so thankful, I think, in my life, you think of you know, brothers in the Lord who give you grace when you deserve it not who are patient with you when you deserve it not, who, who show you compassion and just love you when you need it most. That's such a gift. That is such a gift. He says, my brother, he says this, he says, my fellow worker. So Epaphroditus, man, he's like on the inner circle of Paul's work for the gospel here. It's not a clique, man. It's just, it's just, it's just a special thing going on. He's a trusted and true companion. And notice why, again, verse 30. He almost died, it says, for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And what is more precious than being partners in the gospel? You know, in chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says that you, we are partners in the gospel. Ever since we preached that several weeks ago, I've been ever reminded of the reality and of our partnership in the gospel. It's so beautiful. A little bit of pastoral transparency for you, and just want to be committed to that. And you know, in recent months, man, I just, just, just in a weakened state. I just, I just want you to know, man. I don't know what you perceive as you watch me or listen to me from where you are, and I'm up here. I just want you to know, man. I'm struggling more often than not, fighting my way through this life in Christ, trying to cling to the Lord and trying to. Keep a life of prayer, trying to be an example. At times I feel like such a failure as a dad and a failure as a husband and a failure as a leader and just fighting for that and just here and just struggling away and just saying, man, and Jesus comes, that's, that's going to be good. I just, I just want you to know that. That's, that's just reality. It's not the right thing to say right now. It's just true. It's just true. It's tough, man. As you know, it's a battle as we're going to see in just a moment here too, Right? Now, why do I say that? Because I've never been more aware than of the partners we have in the gospel. And you look around in this church and you see the hundreds and hundreds of beautiful, choice saints serving the Lord. And there are few things more precious than to know you're not alone. And to look at people doing things you can never do, ever. Not gifted to do it, don't have the strength to do it, not smart enough to do it. But they're doing it because God has equipped them to do it. Praise God. What a blessing that is. And that's how God has designed it to be. Hundreds and hundreds of men, women, and yes, children, joining together and serving together as workers for the gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember just recently walking by one of the classes we're doing and seeing volunteers who have been teaching this class for so many years, almost to the point it's like a full-time job for them volunteered the entire way and with joy and with love and the impact and I walked by that room and I looked in there and I was filled with the presence of God to love them in that moment to thank them so sincerely for how they are used by the Lord at this time there there are few better feelings than that right there and you just mean it 
And how many people I could say that to right now in this room. What a, what a blessing. Paul gets this. You see, he gets this. He's in prison. He's looking at Epaphroditus. He's like, I'm so thankful for Epaphroditus. Church, you also be thankful for Epaphroditus. He says, my brother, my fellow worker. And then he says this, fellow soldier. Isn't that interesting? Why would he say soldier? Well, because if you're truly going to serve Christ and work for Christ, you're going to endure spiritual warfare. You're going to have to be a soldier. What does a soldier do? He fights a battle. He's in a war. You're going to suffer. You're going to get hurt. In war, people get hurt. In war, some people are called to die. The true Christian life is not a cakewalk. It's a battlefield. You know, I've always said that life before Christ is so much easier. I mean, it was dead and meaningless. But who's going to you? Life before Christ, man, it, was, it was just easier. I didn't, I didn't remotely think about most of my life. I don't even think about things now. But then in Christ, man, Chamber, listen, in Christ is so much better. Amen, church? It's so much better. But it is not easier. The easy, wide road is the world's way. Jesus says it's narrow and hard. That's why we're called to be soldiers. Soldiers. And see how grateful Paul is for the soldiers that join him. We feel the battle. We feel the war raging. We sense the burden, the weight, and the fight. Again, a little bit of transparency for you here right now, too. I just, you know, sometimes my, my wife has watched kind of my life over these 15 years or whatever, 20 years, almost full-time ministry. And, and hear me when I say this, okay? But she'll watch sometimes things that no one ever sees. And she'll say, as I watch you go through this life, it's hard for me to wish that upon our own children. Now listen, we know the right theological answer to what was just said. And God will do what God will do. But when you see the reality, and you can look and you can say, oh, look at this, it's so nice in this country we live in. But the reality is, if you're really called to serve Christ, if you're really called to give your life for him, you are going to be called to die. And it will come in many ways that no one will ever see. That's just the reality. That's just what goes on for every one of us who's called this. Not just some guy standing up here, every single one of us and where we are. But it's interesting as you continue to weigh this life and what is happening and the burdens and the wars and the opposition and the battles. It just makes sense to me. And Paul's sitting here and he's so thankful for those around him. Because when, when you're in the bunker and you're in the trenches and the bullets are flying overhead and the bombs are crashing beside you and you're sitting there, you feel hopeless, you're exhausted, you don't think you can go on, you wonder if you're going to die in this moment, but then you are holding your spiritual weapon and you look beside you each way and you see there's men and women beside you who are there with you and that's a good feeling. You're just like, oh, I'm not alone. Look at this, there's people. In fact, there's hundreds of people in this trench as the bullets are and some are getting up and rushing right into the battle to use their spiritual weapon against those who are coming in. So that is an awesome encouragement. That is the body of Christ. That is what Paul is describing right here when he says, my fellow soldier. This isn't just cute language, man. It's real. It's real. And I think of fellow soldiers strongly led this week. And again, this passage kind of caught me off guard again. It amazed me. Jesus Christ is the head of this church, the only head of this church. But it is right to honor such men and women who those who want to honor Jesus Christ. And even taking some time right now to honor our elders in this church, particularly our non-vocational elders. You want to talk about brothers and workers and soldiers for the gospel? 
You want to talk about sacrifice and selflessness and service? You know, most of you have no idea what our non-vocational elders give in this church, and you couldn't know. It just, it's not supposed to be known. But just behind the scenes, the effort, the sacrifice here in this church, the time away from family, serving church plants here and there, you know, on and on and on and on and on. Incredible, incredible men in my mind. The way they love this church, the way they love your pastor and staff, the way they love the Lord, the way they love you, it's amazing. It's amazing. Often unseen, but seen by the Lord. And church, I just say, and I just beg you, would you please keep praying for your elders? I beg you, please keep praying. Because the only way this happens is by the Lord. Whether it's you or me or anyone in between, the only way this happens is the Lord. And so with all the sincerity I can muster in this moment, I just pray we sense that we feel that we are in this together and asking the Lord to lead and to guide and to strengthen and to encourage. As we see Timothy, an example of service, and Epaphroditus, an example of sacrifice. And I just want to end here, point number three. Honor such men and women. Look at verse 29, right? So Paul's kind of moving in this direction. He takes Epaphroditus. He says these imperatives. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, with all joy, with all joy. Look at that. Like when you see Epaphroditus in the Lord, have joy. And then he says, and, and honor such men. So this is how this has hit me this week, and I want everything I'm saying to be carried and the intention it's supposed to be, how this hit me this week. I, our church holds such a high value of humility. And when I say that, I don't, th- I'll speak for myself, okay? I'm not humble, but I believe in it. And we believe in humility wins with pride you lose. So we have such a high value of seeking to pursue the goal of humility within our church. But I think sometimes we're so much about that that we're afraid to honor anyone. Now, maybe that's, I'll just say, I think I'm the most to blame for this. And listen, the only one who deserves glory and praise is Jesus. Like, that, that, is, that is a given. I just, what I'm seeing in the text this week, and the Lord's wrestling with me, Paul is so excited to hold up Timothy and Epaphroditus because they hear so much about Jesus. And so he knows that there's such a protection that he says, honor them that they may honor Christ. Like they're the ones giving the gospel. They're the ones working for Christ. So then encourage them they may continue to work for Christ and that Jesus Christ might be able to see more lives change and that he might continue to work. So it's just the one doesn't disqualify the other. You don't honor those who honor themselves. But the ability to honor those who love the Lord Jesus Christ and are used by him, that's a blessing that is what's here. This is, this is what Paul's doing because there's so much at stake. And again, I want Timothy, a servant of the gospel, Epaphroditus, who's giving his life for the work of Jesus Christ. Receive them with joy and honor such men and women. Again, who in this season we're in, who, who can we honor servants of the gospel? There are some that are praying behind closed doors. And honoring them, some who are serving capacities that are maybe never seen, oh, that they would be honored and just encouraged and loved. Some precious, precious saints, even now, the Lord knows. And may the Lord send to you messengers of love and grace. You think about this, okay, we end here. Why would Epaphroditus give his life for Jesus Christ? Why would he risk his life for Christ? It says there at the end, for the work of Christ. Here's why. 
because Jesus Christ gave his entire life for Epaphroditus. This trio, these three musketeers here, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, what's up with these guys? Look at them. I mean, such incredible examples, such imperfect people, and yet serving Christ. It's because they all came to the awareness that Jesus has given them everything in his shed blood and his resurrection from the dead. They are saved and alive in Jesus Christ. If you are here right now, you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you too will be washed clean from all your sin and you will be raised to newness of life. You will never, ever die again. That's the whole point of why Jesus came. You trust in him, you confess him as Lord and Savior and you too shall be saved, the Bible says, knowing that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, all men taken up with the gospel and the love and the person of Christ and from that point on they say we want to give our whole lives to this man whole lives to the point of death they give their lives to the service of Jesus Christ such an example for us and so we honor Timothy and honor Paul and honor Epaphroditus today as they seek to honor Christ and see us do the same so what an opportunity so many so many things we can take from this today Lord would you make my life like that Lord can I be an example worth imitating God would you forgive my sin where I haven't been would you use me would you lead me we're going to um, end the service today by singing that hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be, written by Francis Havergal. I just want you to listen here for a second, okay? Francis Havergal died at age 42, multiple health problems. Do you know the story behind this hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be? Most of you will know this hymn. She was traveling to a place to visit some friends for five days. There was 10 people there. As she came upon this place where there's 10 people, some were saved, some were not saved. Those that were saved were often joyless Christians, she said. She came to this house for these five days, and the prayer the Lord gave her was this. Lord, give me the whole house. Let me have an impact and blessing upon every person in this house. She says and testifies, the Lord did just that. In some form, in some way, and she doesn't give detail how it happened, she was able to be a blessing to all 10 people in the house. To the point, on her last night there, she was so overwhelmed by the goodness and grace of God. She was so filled with the sense of renewal and beauty of what the Lord had done within her life. She spent most of the night awake, singing praises to God, and she said couplets came to her heart and mind over and over again until it ended with, ever only all for thee. That's how this hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be, was written. A woman so determined to be an influence of spiritual measure on other people's lives. I love that prayer. Lord, give me the whole house. That's awesome. And God did. And every person was impacted. And she lay there awake, rejoicing in Christ. And this hymn that we have now sung for decades was written in the wee hours of the night by a woman who loved her Savior so much. And now we honor her as she honors Christ. Let's pray. So, Father, nothing else needs to be said. But we do need to pray that you will take and apply this as only you can. And you will help us now, Lord, as we sit in our seats. And I love I just want to encourage you, you can sit and just receive this song as a prayer and just let it be um, uh, washing over you. Take, take, take sentences in this song and, and, and apply it and pray it. And Father, would you use it powerfully now?
in Jesus' name.